and I'm setting setting up the foundation. I'm not an alcoholic, <laughs> but I had a small bottle of Patron in my bag. I don't know where it came from. Like, of course, yeah. yeah. <laughs> You're listening to Create Community. I'm your host, Marsha Drucker. On this podcast, we're exploring the human side of community. I'm chatting with some amazing community builders to define what community truly means. Joining me today is Preet Singh. Preet is the founder of DesignX, which is the fastest growing UX and design community in North America and Europe. DesignX hosts meetups, a large-scale conference, and has a robust Slack group where thousands of designers share, learn, and grow together. In this episode, we chat about building online and offline communities, Preet's journey of immigrating to Canada and building a new life and community from scratch. Let's jump right into it. Preet, welcome to the very first episode of the Create Community podcast. Now, before we get to Design X, I really want to get a better understanding of your early journey and how you actually became a community builder. So let's start from the very beginning. What was your childhood and upbringing like? First of all, thank you so much, Marsha, for having me on your first uh, podcast show. So for my journey part, uh, I grew up in India. You know, I, I spent the first 25 years of my life there. I grew up in a like a normal middle class Indian family uh, in the north of India. Like the main thing for Indian parents usually, uh, and my parents were no different, was education. So, you know, that was a big focus growing up. So I did go to engineering school because the three options you have as a brown kid are you go to engineering school, you go to medical medical school, or you go to law school. Coincidentally, that's also the place where my community building journey started. So I, I do not regret you know, having my parents force forcing me to go to engineering school now that I look back and connect the dots. That sounds like a really good way to start your career and sort of build that discipline and really learn how to think. How did you first start your career? What was your first job like out of school? So while I was still in engineering school, uh, you know, I was always interested in everything except for engineering. So I was dabbling into graphic design, visual design. I started learning WordPress and started making websites for some local businesses, lawyers, and trying to do some freelance projects. My first official full-time job was at a major IT outsourcing firm called Infosys. So, you know, they are one of the biggest uh, outsourcing companies in India that make a lot of like big software for banks and other places. I left that job in three months and came back to my hometown (laughs) and told my parents that that's not what I want to do. And I didn't have a job. And so I was out of job for like six to eight months, but trying to figure out what I want to do next. How did you end up pivoting from that experience and really like finding what you were passionate about and getting into some side projects? I think we are always told that you should be really focused in your life and you should always have clarity on what that next milestone, what that next next goal is. And that was something that I struggled with a lot. So when I was in that IT company, I knew that I didn't want to do that. So when I told my parents I'm leaving the job, they were like, what do you want to do? What's the next step? And I was like, I don't know. And it was really hard to convince them that I'm going to leave this thing because I this is surely something I don't want to do, which is the engineering IT company stuff. But I do want to have the time to figure out what that next step is like. So that pivot part was not as seamless as switching from option A to option B. But it was like you're leaving option A and you have no idea what other options are out there. 
So I came back to my hometown. I did. I worked with my dad for some time, which was really tough because our we have a lot of like ego clashes. So that didn't work out well. <laughs> what were you working on with your dad? So my dad owns or used to run a radio studio uh, back home in India. So I used to do like audio editing for him. I was managing and building his website, and both of us being creative people, you know, either you get along really well or you just try to push your idea on each other and so I think we were the latter so it didn't work out that well so amicably we were like maybe it's good not to work together so we can still sit down pleasantly at the dinner table so when you were in india when did your passion for design sort of start coming about what were the things that you got involved in that sort of brought that out in you yeah so when i was still in engineering school that's when i it started as a small initiative which was about going along with a few other engineering classmates of mine to a slum area near our engineering college. And we would like play, teach, spend time with some of the slum kids there. And so I know in this part of the world, it's considered a really cool thing that when you're in college, you go to like, you know, the developing countries, you volunteer, you spend time and do some, you know, something good for the world. In India, it's just another facet of your life. So every day when I would go to the engineering school, I would see those slum areas and it you know, it's just like you're used to it so much that you don't think about it. So I was trying to make it, I don't know if cool is the right word, but I was trying to make it like a cool thing for young students like myself to go and spend time and help out folks in the slum areas. And that's where, because of that initiative, I really got into design as a tool to communicate that message. So the first poster I designed for like a clothing drive we did was in Microsoft Word. But it was just like I realized that if, you know, your communications were well designed, more youngsters felt more inclined because all the nonprofits in India that were trying to get the youth's attention were still very archaic in their design and communication style. So that was kind of the first foray into visual design. So it sounds like like you were experimenting, you were testing things out, but it was really like you were reaching the audience in a way that was meaningful to them and you were able to do so through design. So I'm really curious, what was it that ended up bringing you to Toronto, Canada? You have such an interesting journey of how that came to be. Do, do you want to tell me a little bit more yeah. about that? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so finished engineering school, tried to find what I was looking for. I was really passionate about the social issues in India. And again, solving the problem of how do you make young folks care about the social issues? And that's when I merged my love for design and social issues together. And I started a t-shirt startup. And the designs on the t-shirts were based on the social issues in India. We have a lot of issues. So there were a lot of like t-shirt designs and, you know, not short of collections. And that's when actually I met my now wife. She's from Germany. She was traveling India. She was doing an internship in my city. And a lot of these expats or international, not students, but international young workers used to come to my store to buy t-shirts as a memorabilia thing, right? Like a cool memorabilia thing about India or for India. That's how we met. We dated for about eight months. I was still running the t-shirt startup. She even helped me a little bit with that part. And then, um, you know, we knew that this is not going to work out if we stay in India because India was very different for her culturally. Germany is very different for me because of being a visible minority. You know, it's not that diverse. The language, of course. For sure, yeah. And neither of us had been to Canada. But after eight months of dating, we randomly picked Toronto. And we were like, let's move to Canada. Maybe it'll work out. And that's what we did. Yeah, I was going to say that's like, yeah. that's a big risk that you took. <laughs> yeah. And like, and 
every meaning of the word with your professional life, with your relationship, that could by a lot of standards be seen as a way of moving really fast. But I guess sometimes you just know when when you found the right person and, you know, it's it's the right step for you in in all areas of your life. And I'm so glad that you did it and that you're here. Yeah. So fast forward, you guys are in Toronto. You're trying to establish yourself here in terms of your career. What were those initial years like and how did you get started here? The initial years were... Now that I look back at them, I like, you know, you look back with very fond memories, but being really objective about it, they were quite hard. Both of us were getting used to each other and living together. And there are big cultural differences there. It was tough working out those kinks between a personal relationship. Financially, I was back to ground zero. I literally, I sold my cherished motorbike, my my Xbox, my guitar, everything to, you know, get the money to start the new life here. I remember because I moved to Canada in December, I would walk to my college on Lakeshore. You know, I would walk four or five kilometers just to save that $3 token. It makes a huge difference. Right? I remember that as well. When my family and I immigrated here, yeah. there's so many ways that you have to cut costs, and but it really helps you build that gratitude for sure. Yeah, so many of those things kind of, I would say majority of the first few years were not having many friends. So you're building a social life from scratch. Not having much money, so you're building an economic life from scratch. Yeah. And then, of course, because you just moved in together with a person that you met eight months ago, then you're figuring out your personal, emotional side as well. So it was a lot of like building from scratch on many levels. In those initial years, what was your first job like in Toronto? How did you go about finding it? And how has your career sort of evolved in Toronto? Yeah, so one thing that's been constant about me is I can't stand still. So I'm I'm like, I know hustle has a very negative connotation especially on twitter these days it really does so yeah. i don't know if i'm supposed to use that but i i you do inside yeah. like deep inside i think i am just a hustler or you know it's that mindset of just survival mode always like trying to figure it out so when i was still studying at humber college here when i moved here i was taking a lot of freelance projects because i knew that either i could work for ten dollars an hour at tim hortons what my classmates were doing or i could design websites for ten dollars an hour And so I had no qualms in being that cheap designer, but I was like, at least I'm doing stuff in my domain. So I built like a lot of websites for plumbers, (laughs) (laughs) for gardeners, like all kinds of like tradesmen, because they were like, I have $300, can you make me a website? I was like, sure, that covers my rent for, you know, a week. So I did a lot of those uh, kind of jobs, but that helped me understand the professional, cultural differences between India and Canada. So I knew that here it's a lot more about building trust and it's not just about, you know, being the cheapest provider or the kind of work you do, right? So it's a lot more about those personal relationships and showing your personality and those things. So even for my first full-time job when I was out in the market, the first few weeks I spent applying to job applications, never heard back from anyone. And that's when I was like, okay, the same approach as all the other thousand students that are right now looking for a job with the exact same profile as mine, it's not going to work. So actually what I did was I ended up designing an infographic resume. So I took all my experience and my experience was like all across, like <laughs> went into engineering school, ran, built communities in India, did business development for educational institutions, did design, did marketing. And my professors were like, you have to focus your resume. If you're applying for a marketing job, 
just include marketing experience. If you're applying for a design job, just include design. But I was like, that's not me. Like I'm the whole sum of all these experiences. So I designed an infographic that showed everything I'd done in a visual manner. So while on a Word document that might seem very messy to you in an infographic, just look cool and you know easy to connect the dots. And that resume I shared on Facebook and uh, it kind of went viral in a small way. Wow. And some VC firm in Montreal ended up finding it and they then approached their startups in Toronto and then I call, got a call the next day from two or three HR people at two or three different startups. And they were like, oh, we're hiring a designer. We saw your resume. Would you like to come in? And that's how, through those things, I ended up getting my first job. That's, that's incredible, <laughs> especially as a new Canadian or, or as a new immigrant. You really have to find a way to stand out yeah. to, to sort of land that first <laughs> work experience. That's really cool how you did that. Yeah. So I want to shift gears here a little bit to chat about Design X and the amazing magnetic community that you've built. We've known each other for the last, I think, three years yeah. now or two and a <laughs> half years, and we've really been building our communities side by side. We started, right. I think, like three days apart from each other. <laughs> but what was your vision or what was the reason that you created Design X? And tell us a little bit more about what Design X is. Absolutely. So when I started Design X, there was definitely no big vision, to be honest, that it's going to be this massive community that it is now. When I started it, I had a nice, decent job uh, at an agency that I adored when I moved to Canada. And I, I was pretty fulfilled in my nine to five thing. I did see a void in the community that as a designer, there was no authentic design community. There were design events, but there was no community where I could go meet other designers that I could discuss my challenges and my confusions with. And that's kind of been always my approach that I usually see a void and then I want to do something to fix that void. That was the same pattern I did with the social community back in India. And when I saw the same thing happening in designer, I was like, okay, let me see what I can do. So I started a Slack group. And then with the Slack group, I was like, you know what? Like, the Slack group is getting some momentum. Let's just get people to meet each other in person. And I was like, let's put together a first event. And when we put together a first event, the first response of it being a sold out event and some really amazing speakers agreeing to be part of the event, that just gave me the confidence that, okay, there's something here. I definitely did not see it coming or even plan for it. For sure, a lot of learnings came subconsciously from all the community building stuff that I'd done earlier. So that's why maybe we did some things right from the get-go, right? Yeah. Which I maybe downplay now, yeah. I find your journey so interesting in that before this, you've never really done events. You've never done that type of community building. Yeah. And you just, you had this vision for sort of like a side project that you wanted to yeah. test out. And it it really has grown over the years. What do you think it was that sort of gave you that push to actually go and try doing an event when you've never done one before? Yeah, I think there were a few things. Uh, on the personal angle, of course, you know, when you do events, and especially if you're hosting it, it amps up your own personal brand in the city. So I had been networking quite a bit as a newcomer. Uh, I just enjoy meeting people, going to other events. And while that was still good, there were a few things that would always tick me off a lot. So I would go to a lot of tech events. You know, they see a brown person. They're like, oh, where do you work? I would say at this agency. They're like, oh, so you're a developer. And I'm like, like, why? Why did you assume that? <laughs> you just assume and that, that didn't yeah. happen once. Literally, it would happen 90% of the times because they're like, brown person, Indian, works in tech, must be a developer. <laughs> 
And that really like pissed me off at many places. So so one thing was I was like, why do you think that, you know, I couldn't be a designer or, you know, some other profession? That was one thing. And the second thing was whenever you would go to tech events in Toronto, all they would talk about is developers, AI, engineering. And design is not something that was much talked about in Toronto, even in the tech startup scene. So the other goal was how do you elevate the role of design in the tech ecosystem? Right. So that was kind of the more holistic overarching goal for the community. And personal goal was just like, how do I even associate my personal brand with design more? So those are some of the triggers that I was like, okay, let's go ahead and do the event. I was really scared when I put together the event. There are these three design leaders, like the head of design at Scotiabank, Well Simple, Cosette. They're sitting on the panel. And I have to go moderate the panel. Yeah. Have you ever moderated a panel no, before? No, I'm not. No. And I'm like, why did I make it a panel discussion? I should have just made it a speaker series. They would do their thing. I would be like, thank you so much. Thank you to sponsors and go. <laughs> and I was like, now I have to sit here and ask smart questions and sound smart. Like I know my stuff. So I'm not kidding you. Just before I went on stage, I and I'm setting setting up the foundation. I'm not an alcoholic. <laughs> but I had a small bottle of Patron in my bag. I don't know where it came from. Like, Of course. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> How and convenient. literally before I went on stage, I was like, fuck this. And I like totally shot down the vodka, <laughs> the tequila. And I went on stage and I was like, people are here. They're facing the stage. It's going to happen now. So I'm just going to go for it. And then it all happened really well. And then as a ritual, I would carry a bottle of Patron, the small, you know, $10 tequila one, oh, for the incredible. first three events till I forgot to buy it for the fourth one. And then I was like, wait, I don't need it anymore. That's yeah. amazing. I like. I I feel like I've had a similar journey with sort of hosting my own events. I was so nervous and and really shy the first few events, and I really preferred to sort of be behind the scenes. But you kind of you realize that when you're in front of that audience, and if you do it month over month or however often you're going up there, you're not going to get worse. You're yeah. only going to get better. Yeah. But I love that story about the <laughs> yeah. about the pitch room. I yeah. I would always make sure to have a beer or a glass yeah. of wine as well. But I I like that. It a little bit yeah. more hardcore. <laughs> so from those initial events and those initial stages of building your community as, as a Slack group and having the online component, how over the years has your community grown and evolved? Yeah, it has grown quite a bit. So again, you know, even though the community, when it started, I did not envision that it's going to grow so much. I'm also someone that when I see growth happening, you know, my engineering mind steps in and I start to figure out the processes, workflows to then really go ambitious and scale it. So year one, we focused on Toronto and year one was like, okay, we have to be the biggest community and the, you know, the best design community in Toronto. So really bullish on that. That did happen to quite some extent. And then year two, we were clear that, okay, now we need to venture outside of Toronto and uh, experiment with a few new geographies. So next year, you know, we ventured into Vancouver, New York, and a few other offshoot events in some other cities. And then I started to see that, okay, the problem that we were trying to solve in Toronto exists in all the major tech cities. Like design communities are fragmented. There are no strong design communities. And then literally it was about building the workflows, building the processes, building a strong team, and then trying to replicate the magic in different cities, of course, with their own cultural nuance. So right now, you know, we have a chapter in Amsterdam. I did events in London last year. New York chapter has grown quite strong. Uh, we're starting to get a lot of requests from other cities, like someone of from course, Sydney yeah. reached out to start a chapter, someone from Austin reached out to start a chapter. So definitely the goal is now to build on our geographic expansion, 
while also organizing some bigger conferences and all. What were some of the challenges that you faced along the way? I know you've been through quite a few pivots. Yeah. What did that journey look like from deciding to actually go full time on it? And what were some of the biggest obstacles that you sort of had to overcome and still deal with now? I think the obstacles are many fold. So there are obstacles on just the community as a business model. Right. Like, how do you make a sustainable community? And that was always at the back of my mind that whatever I'm creating, I don't want it to be a one year side project or a two year side project. So how do I make it sustainable? So I've been working a lot on that. And how do you lower the dependency on sponsorships? Because as you also know, sponsorships can be high one year and next year totally disappear. Yeah, it could fluctuate so much. Exactly. So that's why we started doing conferences so that we have some bigger sources of income that can help make the community efforts more sustainable. Then there are challenges on the people level. Like that's a really critical thing to build. And when you start a community, it's all a volunteer effort. But then, of course, you are the one on stage. You are the one that's getting all the credit. Why are those 15 volunteers volunteering their time so that, you know, your personal brand can be built more, right? Or your community can be built more. So I was also really mindful of that because I used to volunteer a lot for other communities. Now I'm trying to actually build a more reliable full-time team because now we have a little bit of resources that we can invest back in the community. And then, of course, you know, there are also challenges around what are we exactly building, Because every community builder, I'm sure you have the same question at times. Yeah, there's so much opportunity with community building. You can literally take it in a million different directions. And especially for you, when you have such an amazing community, both online and offline, how do you really cater it and how do you choose what to focus on? It's so like top of mind for community builders. When you came to Toronto, you really had to start from scratch when it came to building your professional network, but more so your personal network, really establishing yourself in a new city. So definitely it was not an easy start. I was not trying to build the personal community for the sake of it, but I was genuinely trying to find like-minded people, right? You're in a new place, all your 25-year-old friendships are back home, and you're like, I don't know many people here, and how do you start? So I... Started doing the mechanical things, which I knew that is to go out and just meet people, right? Yeah. I do find it super awkward. I'm not the most extrovert person, but I would just force myself to do it. So I would go to meetups, you know, sit there by myself and just like watch the talks and be like, okay, I have to talk to at least one person or two people, right? Yeah. So I tried doing that a lot. I always found it easier to network or build that personal community if it was related to something I was working on. You know, so I'm not that good at small talk around, oh, what's a movie you watched? Or, you know, did you watch the last night's game? Because I am a little bit of a workaholic. So I really find it natural and easy to just talk about work and the challenges or even help the other person, you know, with my experience. For sure. That's how you find common ground. I don't think yeah. there's anything wrong yeah. with that at all. <laughs> yeah. So so once I realized that, I was like, I went really focused on that. At the same time, because my personal life was getting too work focused. I really attribute a lot of my personal network, even friends, to my wife. So when people would invite us over for things, I would always be like, maybe I should just stay home and work. And she's like, no, no, no. We are going for this dinner. We said yes. Or we are going for that games night. Or we're going to watch a movie with those six people. 
and then I started saying yes. And to be honest, like a lot of our friends right now, a lot of that social circle is because of Nora and that she pushed me and she was like, no, we committed that we're going out for drinks. So we are. If it was left just to me, I'd be still at home working. Yeah. <laughs> That's amazing that you have her to sort of balance yeah. <laughs> that out because you need to find time to put the laptop down yeah. and really build that community and have people to celebrate your wins with. Yeah. So I'm so glad that she's yeah. sort of there to, to push you in that direction. Yeah. When it comes to making new friends or do you feel like you're intentional about it how do you like sort of choose your people who you hang out with yeah I certainly was not much intentional earlier uh in my years and then of course you know I read a lot of books that said you are defined by the six people you know or yeah <laughs> you know, you're defined you're, by your friend you're the circle. average of the five yeah. people that you hang out with the most I really do believe that yeah I've I've tried to be a little more mindful but I find it really hard because I'm a very emotions driven person so I just either I feel like hanging out with someone or I don't and so sometimes I've had really good people in my network because of design x because of other things but I'm like oh this person's a VC I should you know, build that relationship. But then I'm like, no, I just don't like hanging out with that person. So still my personal network is largely, I would say, emotive. And also I'm very like selective. Maybe it's because we're growing old and I'm like, oh, I don't want to talk to like 20 people. So I'd rather just have those four or five for people sure. in my network that yeah. I chat with. Quality yeah. over quantity, yeah. for sure. Yeah. How do you maintain your community back home or do you still maintain it? I would say I've been pretty good at keeping in touch with that community with my friend circle there like I'm usually the one that still calls my friends like every month or so where I'll give them a call and try and stay updated on what's happening in their life I also secretly try and convince them to move to Canada <laughs> but I'm like yeah you should maybe try moving to Canada and it's really nice here but yeah no I try and keep in touch with you know a lot of my relatives slash friends back home it's really exciting that your parents have recently moved to Toronto to join you and Nora here and I know your family life is really evolving yeah. in a lot of ways do you want to chat a little bit about that yeah so we are as I'm sitting here recording the podcast with you we are I think two and a half weeks away from having our first kid so that's uh, scary yeah thank so you <laughs> Scary and exciting. I don't know what much to expect there, but let's see <laughs> like how much of a work that yeah. is or what. Uh, but I'm, of course, I'm really excited about it. Uh, my parents just moved here. Finally, we've been trying to have them move here since quite some time. So that's really exciting. So a lot of things happening on the family front. I'm sure um, that's going to be an exciting way to sort of build new communities for yourself yeah. and finding more like-minded people who are who are sort of interested in the same things yeah, as you, but also maybe experiencing parenthood for the first time or or just going through similar things. Yeah. I'm really excited to stay tuned on that. Yeah, that's actually funny you say that because I've been joining a lot of parents groups on Facebook. And learning about the different strollers you need and different, <laughs> I don't know, yeah, how many types of kid devices you yeah. need to buy. Yeah, It's a different world. Yeah. <laughs> so my last question for you is, what does community mean to you? I do not have like a, a good, smart sounding textbook definition of what community means to me. But again, going on the, you know, the emotive side of myself, I would just say it's like a sense of belonging. And that's the reason I started DesignX, because I went to design events, but I never felt like I am amongst my community, right? So that sense of belonging is something I really strive for, even at our events, in our online community, and even in general, in just, you know, anything that I call a community, it's like, you just feel naturally a part of it. There are no strong mechanics or onboarding needed to make you feel at home. I couldn't agree with that more. I feel like that sums it up perfectly when it comes to your professional community and your personal community really being in a place where you feel like 
your home and you belong and you could just be yourself. So yep. congratulations on what you've created. I really wish you the best of luck oh, in future communities you. that you're going to create. And thank you so much for joining me today. Yeah, thank you, Varsha. Thank you for having me. I had such a great time chatting with Preet today, and I hope that you learned as much as I did from this episode. You can connect with Preet on LinkedIn by searching for Preet Singh, and you can learn more about DesignX at designx.community. Thanks for tuning in to Create Community, a podcast where I chat with incredible community builders to define what community truly means. You can check out the series on Spotify, Apple, or wherever you normally listen. Please remember to subscribe and leave us a rating and review. I'd really love to hear your feedback. You can also follow us on Instagram at createcommunitypod or check out our website at createcommunitypod.com for updates. Once again, I'm Marsha Drucker, your host, signing off. A huge thank you to Origins Media House for producing this series. You can find them at originsmediahouse.com, where house is spelled H-A-U-S, or on LinkedIn and Instagram at Origins Media House, and Twitter at Origins Media.